P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. So, Kyle, in a world where there is no lies, what so do you think? Always comes back. What do you to think like, would change about your life? Trying to find out. I'm asking. So it's been since high school. So he's digging in. What would you change? What would be different in your life if there was a world with no lies? And I'm the only guy that can lie. I guess. I guess. What would you change? I mean, the world without lies is a really boring world, as we like then see in this movie. But then, the things that I would change—I don't know. I mean, do I go like hungry with power? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. I think I would definitely like do certain things. Uh, yeah, live like a very comfortable lifestyle. Like not like I don't know, like egregious, but like yeah, I would definitely do wrong things with that power, <laughs> such as what he like taking money out and that kind of stuff and using it for like fun things but it's not like i would then want to all of a sudden like put myself in a like position like of like power in the sense of i don't know political or <laughs> like, political no but internet dating wise i i i would f- forget internet dating if it came to that <laughs> could you though could you yes i could that's just that's a much more it creates a much more easier environment than any dating scenario in person or online. Well, luckily for you, we do live in a world where lying exists. Yes. So, thankfully for everyone. Iggy Pop. Amen. Let it rain. I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat. We crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Puppy. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy, that's a cave Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish! <laughs> I'm always home, I'm on cool. This is a process of dehypnotization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hey, Hoff fans, welcome to this week's edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready to talk great movies. Now, today's movie is The Invention of Lying. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who first invented it. Well, it's not something you really invent. It's just something that happens. I think even, like, animals lie. Yeah. Kids learn from her babies know. It's just instinct. It's just trying to survive. Yeah. Some people like attention more than others. You know, yeah. And you're going to lie to feed yourself. Yeah. But regardless, the film is called The Invention of Lying. I'm lying to myself right now because it's the Patriots Eagles Super Bowl. You lie. Well, I know you're not too happy about that. But is it fair to say that you lie to yourself every day? I think everyone lies to themselves. (laughs) I I I will say yes because I think everyone lies to themselves about one thing at least every day. Maybe. Who knows? Regardless. Uh, Invention of Lying, had you seen it before? I had seen it a while ago. Uh, I think probably around the time it came out. It feels like a movie. I definitely didn't see it in theaters. 2009, so we're talking. I think it was a movie that was like playing on HBO, and I saw it when it you know, had its little playtime on HBO. Gotcha. Uh, I had never seen it before. It was my first time. As you listeners probably know, I probably haven't seen a lot of movies. Um, <laughs> this one is definitely a movie I hadn't seen. Um, now, just right off the bat, kind of disappointed. Not really a Philip Seymour Hoffman movie. Here. I could have sworn he was in at least like two scenes. No, I would. This is even qualifies to me as a cameo. This is lesser than his role in. Uh, oh God, help me out. Uh, Strangers with Candy. Oh yeah, certainly. Yeah, this is the least we've seen him. 
This is the most cameo performance that he's had. This is the least lines he might have had in a movie ever. Yeah. I mean, is that fair? Even his, like, you know, My New Gun, he had a little bit more lines. Uh, certainly Triple Bogey in a par 5 hole. It's There's the one a little scene. back and forth here, so, like, Triple Bogey is, like, really up but there. But he pretty much says it's the same line. I don't know. We only have one scene for you to... Right? Yeah. There's only one scene to play today. I want to. I want to play, just the, the, like a. I want to play like the. I'll call it the Ten Commandments scene. Uh, like that's Ricky. so long and boring. Whatever. We'll get into it. Um, this is a Ricky Gervais film. This is like a Ricky Gervais. Uh, just like, please love me. Remember, like I'm more than just the Office. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. This. This is. <laughs> Ricky Gervais vehicle project. Yeah, vehicle. Thank you. Yeah, he... He's trying to lie to us <laughs> and like be like, accept me into your. He's a director. Yankee Colt. Yeah, he is a co-director director. and oh. a co-writer. Oh yeah, co-director. Yeah. I saw that. Who was this the other guy? guy? Uh, this guy. Uh, did, oh, Matthew Robinson. The only other thing I think he's directed was the big like flop of monster trucks. That weird movie that came out this past year. That what? like literally a monster it was like. Tentacled monster operates a pickup truck. I had not have any idea that that movie came out. Yeah, well, but, okay. Matthew Robinson. Good to know. Well, the one thing about this film is huge cast, a lot of cameos. Philip Seymour Hoffman is it among them. Is a huge like it's just really impressive. I think this was like I mean this is I think kind of peak time for Ricky Gervais. I actually want to look up I don't I don't remember how long ago it was that he hosted the Oscars. I think it was, it was definitely after this. Yeah, no, he had a moment. I'm not saying he doesn't now. Yeah, not that like, he's lost it, but, but he had a moment where he was like, "Oh, British office, haha." Yeah. British office or American office. Oh. So uh, totally American office except for the last two seasons. Yeah, no. That's the one thing I guess the British office got right by what they had three seasons. Two or three, and like a Christmas special maybe. No, British office is hilarious. Don't get me wrong. We don't have American office without the British office. But I love Steve Carell as Michael Scott. Yeah, like he took it and made it his own. Parks and Rec versus uh, the Office. Yeah, but Parks and Rec doesn't exist without the Office. The, The Office set the tone. The Office is a seminal comedy of the of its era. Oh, of course. And American Office doesn't exist, but the British Office. Ricky Gervais is great as the boss there. But I, I'm just, I'm just saying, I, we've had this talk before. I'll take Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec is the more complete show. Yeah, that's for sure. But okay, so Ricky Gervais again from the British Office. He pops into America and he's famous and he makes this. Did you like this film? Um, I think it's entertaining enough. I don't think it's by any means like a brilliant comedy. You know, honestly, this falls into to me like this has. I wouldn't have been surprised if Woody Allen made a movie like this, and that's not the first controversial mail that will come up. On, uh, no, about this certainly episode. not. But no, I, I agree with that, and that's not necessarily a compliment. And take like the man out of aside. Uh, this to me reminded me of a lower quality Woody Allen film. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like I read I was it a documentary on Woody Allen it had to have been and he just always like writes down ideas and he just has like a drawer of like sentence ideas and that tends to be like the premise of a lot of his movies the worst Woody Allen movies to me and not all of them because you could say uh, Annie Hall or Manhattan are self-indulgent those are the better ones Mm -hmm. but the worst Woody Allen movies to me tend to be the ones that are a little bit more self-indulgent and this to me 
is such a self-indulgent film. I'm surprised given Ricky Gervais is pretty famous. He's famous first for being like a comedian, comedic actor. Well, I think comedic actor first, and then he started doing stand-up. But then the next things he's very like famous for is being an atheist and a vegan. And we definitely get our like chock full of nuts atheist, you know, uh, him making comments uh, just on the world of religion. I was surprised we didn't get a moment of veganism. On I don't know. I didn't even know he was an atheist because I don't really follow his career. Yeah. Um, okay. I, yeah. Like, it, 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 to me, this is a movie, I feel like it's a f- more funny as a sketch, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, it got, or if they just played it a straight comedy. It got like too real, and I didn't care if that makes sense. Yeah, it's too. It got too real, and he has. Uh, I mean, you know, his. I mean, his. Whole That's still preachy. That is. You might like say like, "Oh, I'm not religious," but he's essentially spreading his own religion. Oh, of in course. In this film, this film is his beliefs. Yeah. Like throwing it in our face. Oh, this is just. I mean, his manifesto. Yeah, and if you 100% believe what he believes, which I didn't even know what he believed when I was watching this movie, um, I guess you, oh, I could be into this, but it's still like, to me, it just, it hits things a little too heavy when I kind of just wanted to laugh, because I, there were moments I did laugh in this film, there were moments I was an, entertained, I'm not saying it was a terrible film, like, you know, I enjoyed myself. I mean, for as far as, I mean, this was his, he directed episodes of, like, The Office, um... But this was like one of his. This was the first feature film he's directed. I think it aims really high, and tries to be brilliant. Yeah. And I don't think it's brilliant. Again, I think just cast-wise, I think again since he was just at the, definitely at the height of his popularity, I, he pulled out like every, I don't know, phone number, yeah, contacted went, his agent, went through his and, fucking Rolodex. Yeah. You know, like oh, I met this person at this Hollywood party. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. And I met that person at the Emmys. I and I don't necessarily like that. I, there's a lot of people in here I like. Yeah. But when I see a celebrity in every single role, it tends to take me out of the movie. And I, I think that's true here at times. I'll go out on a limb and say it. I don't think Philip Seymour Hoffman needed to be in this movie. No. I don't think he adds anything to the movie. And he usually adds everything to every movie, but he just doesn't do enough. There is a slightly interesting story as to why he's in it. Okay, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Um, So, uh, per IMDb trivia, my favorite, you know. uh, When trying to secure Philip Seymour Hoffman for his cameo, his agent claimed he was too busy, so Ricky Gervais requested his email address and sent him the following. (laughs) Ha ha! No, I won't do my Ricky Gervais. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> he always does, that's like his famous laugh. <laughs> anyway, uh, dear Philip, will you please appear in my new film? There is very little money involved as I spent the budget on testicular implants, but don't look upon them as my testicles. Look upon them as our testicles. End of quote. Philip Seymour Hoffman couldn't refuse after that. Again, is it that hard? Uh, to yeah, he showed up thing? for a day, show up an for a afternoon. Do you know where this was shot? No, it has a very quaint. Yeah, it has a very quaint look. We'll, we'll, we'll look, look, we'll look up. it up. Yeah, but it, he's he's barely in it, and I guess I'm so used to these now epic Philip Seymour Hoffman roles that this is like, oh man. Yeah. 
Um, it, it, it's definitely a letdown. Because, again, I mean, we last week we had Pirate Radio, and that was just... I mean, you know, and not that like he he I mean he he definitely didn't have the funniest role in that film, but just and then going back to Along Came Polly, like this man has great comedic chops. Yeah, and I think you know I mean like obviously it was like also edited this way, but there's the scene and it's between Ricky Gervais, Louis C.K. topical, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and it's like a funny like little like quick you know banter moment, and I just wish I don't know, I wish he became like he was part of, uh, you know. Ricky Gervais's or uh, Mark Bellison's his characters like inner circle. Oh, I do too. I, I almost hate this because this is the moment to me where Philip Seymour Hoffman is a hundred percent crossed into celebrity rather than actor. Uh-huh. It says to me that he is a guy that people are going to be like, "Oh, look, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in this!" Ha <laughs> ha. For the moment. And he just shows up because he doesn't add anything to this because he's not allowed to add anything to this. I don't know why Ricky Gervais would think, oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman would be perfect for this role. You know, it's just yeah. like, why? It's just, it's like seeing, like, Madonna would have been the same. Yeah. He's just like, oh, because there's Madonna. No, it's a very... Oh, yeah. there's, a, you know, Abe Bogota, you know? Like, it's just, <laughs> it's it's the same. It's R. just R. like... R.I.P. Yes, R.I.P. R.I.P. Hoffman. Madonna, you're still with us, I think. No, you are. Unfortunately. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Sorry. Madonna is, like, like iconic. No, I wouldn't say that now, but <laughs> regardless. You know what I'm saying, though? Like, it, yeah. it, this is, like, Hoffman jumping into massive celebrity territory, and he never struck me as that. He never struck me as, like, Matt Damon making a cameo, even. No, he definitely... I mean, he... Yeah, exactly. He wasn't a blockbuster, you know, just, I mean, he was in, obviously people went to go see his movies because they're his movies, but it still wasn't. They, they went to see his movies because they thought he would do a good job in them, not because, oh, here's some handsome man. Yeah, and all, yeah, and some spectacle, like his movies weren't, you know. Yeah, like, like I trust that this guy's going to kick ass in this yeah. role. I didn't go see... Elysium because I was just like oh Matt Damon I saw I went to go see it because and disappointed but I went to go, <laughs> I went to go see it because I it was at Neil Blomkamp and I enjoyed District Nine and its cool visuals like that wasn't uh, the reason but uh, so I looked it up uh, Lowell Massachusetts it uh, looked like New England it just got that very you know New England it looked like New England, England so I guess Hoffman went up for like the day or two yeah that is a little bartender thing he looks cool in it he's got the beard. Yeah, I, uh, I I used a picture of it for the Christmas time and put a little Santa Claus hat on him. Oh, that's where you took that from? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, because he's got a red shirt, he's got the white apron. <laughs> it's just like, he just looks at that point, and he's just like, I'm like, that's, I, you know, like, I'm, I would be happy, like, you know, that's that's just like a nice, uh, I, I feel bad that he's lo- like lonely in the movie or whatever, but I'm just like, ah, bartender and nice beard. <laughs> that's fair. So, uh, I guess, uh, oh. Before we go into the cast, because I just want to run down all the people who appear in this, just so you guys, if you haven't seen it, get some perspective on the cameo nature of this film. Oh, yeah, I got a whole... So it's 57%, by the way, Rotten Tomatoes um, uh, critics. Okay. 57%. So that's technically rotten. Okay. Um, what's the what's the it's like it's like a like a school grades okay so if you got a 57 on a test it would not be very good that's always been weird to me like what what's the point of why just like why does it go up to 100 shouldn't it just be a scale of 
What would that be? I guess fifth. No, fifth. It, it, what does it matter? It's percentage. Why does a hundred it go to a hundred percent? Well, I'm just saying because anything below what six sixty. Because it's per, no, it's really like yeah, like sixty five. Because it's proficiency, you know. If you're only half proficient in the subject, do you really know it? But there's like. No, it probably should be seventy five. I agree. Yeah. But no, it's like sixty five. But thank God, you know. <laughs> but by the way, thirty nine percent audience score. Not very popular with the audience. No. So. But we're not going to blame Hoffman either way. You know, it's not it's not his movie. Essentially, everyone was really happy at the time Obama became president. This is just everyone's in a good mood and tougher on movies. You know, <laughs> I guess so. We're trying to escape more nowadays. I'm, I, I don't know about that, but it's a uh, it's an interesting piece. Want to go over the cast? I guess. Sure. I mean, I'll like right away. I'll just. Oh wait, wait before. Well, duh, you didn't even do your your synopsis. Okay, we're doing sometimes. That's before, sometimes after. No, l- let's let's just because we've gotten into it way too far. Tell everyone what this movie's about. Okay, I tried to put a little more effort into this one this week. Um, e for effort. Yeah. Uh, imagine a world. No. Uh, but imagine a world where no person can lie or even knows what a lie is. And then you find out that you're the only guy that can. That's the story of Mark Bellison. What will Mark decide to do with this new power? I like your random emphasis. Thank you. <laughs> what will Mark? Pretty good, pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So let's get into this cast. Well, just the on the cameo level, we've got... Eric Andre, Stephen Merchant, Bobby Moynihan, Ed Norton, Christopher Guest, Jason Bateman, Martin Storr, uh, Jimmy Simpson, and uh, John Hodgman. Like, it's just a... Yeah, a lot of these cameos. Um, you said Stephanie March? Stephen Merchant? That's a different person. Oh. Stephen Merchant's a man. Stephanie March is, is... She used to be married to Bobby Flay, which is not her thing. I'm sorry, I don't know she, that. <laughs> she's from Law and Order SVU. She's the blonde in the hotel room. Uh, oh, she's a lawyer. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's the DA. One of the DAs. Oh, D- yeah. Yeah. So, which oh, is DA, a lawyer. you're right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Th- that's the only other one I was thinking of. And then, oh, well, the main cast, of course. Yes. Um, we've got, in the role of our, you know, our lead, Mark Bellison, Ricky Gervais. Of course. And then Anna McDougal's is played by Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Garner. And then uh, Frank is played by Jonah Hill. Greg is played by Louis C.K. Anthony is played by Jeffrey Tambor. Topical. Uh, Martha is played by... Help me out here. Fionula Flanagan. Fionula Flanagan. Yeah. Uh, and then Brad Kessler is played by Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Oh, he's just... I love Rob Lowe. <laughs> I saw the trailer for Super Troopers 2, which I'm really afraid for that because, you know, Zoolander 2, these Anchorman things, yeah. 2, Dumb and Dumber. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be good. Yeah, but Rob Lowe's in it, and he says, oh, goes to Jim Hortons, which is funny. <laughs> uh, and then Shelly, played by Tina Fey, and then, of course... Jim, the bartender, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Who I wouldn't, I would say that's more cameo again than main character. I know, but he's you boosted him up because it's the PSI of Hoffman podcast. He has a fucking Oscar. (laughs) He has a fucking Oscar. Yeah, he shouldn't be whatever. I don't want to get into the cameo. Well, I will. (laughs) So okay, 
this film. Yeah, I mean, as as we said, so uh, the invention of lying is about this weird, weird world where via voiceover we find out that there's no lying. There and it's isn't... not just that, right? It's not that there's no lying. People also just speak their mind too. That's the weird thing. So it's not, yeah, exactly. It's not that they don't lie. It's almost like they have like some kind of social order disease that they're saying their internal thoughts. It's like. Like, if you're not going to lie, like, a lot of people also, like, a lie is just, like, being quiet about something. But I then, guess so. But if you watch Liar, Liar, oh. he bends the truth, but he doesn't lie in critical scenes. Yeah. That's more accurate to the rules of, like, not lying. Yeah, it's, so it's not just lying. It's just, like, no... But again, it's a world where they have zero idea, which is like... And no filter as well. No filter. Yeah, no filter. But it's just really... So it's just, like, I, I know I shouldn't, like, care, like, start thinking about it like too crazily but like why are there like different looking cars like it just it just like obviously like lying so for instance uh, mark bellison is a screenwriter but screenwriters just kind of write narration for documentaries they kind of just like yeah they just like summarize like, summarize yeah, they find, uh, yeah put in an order historical events for christopher guest in a british voice to read those are the movies that they have so i go from there and i go all right so they're not like creative obviously in their storytelling and then just even with like it just looks like kind of like you know i'm sure they do a couple of angles to shoot these narrators on screen talking about it but then i think like why do houses particularly look different why are there different looking cars like also there must be obviously no music except for I don't know. I don't know what kind of you know music they have in this world because obviously most lyrics are lies in a sense. It just it's just a very it's it's a very big world that they could potentially build, and I just feel like they got. There are some really funny moments. I love uh, Jimmy Simpson from Westworld and his Coke commercial. Yeah, that was great. It's hilarious. By the way, it did seem like this movie was very sponsored, not by Coke because there was a lot of Pepsi products. Yeah. And, like, you see the Pizza Hut very prominently um, when they order pizza. I think it's just also, obviously, a comment. Like, they're commenting on consumerism, so they're just going after the main... So, like you said, this movie's funny, but it reminds me of philosophy class in college. Mm -hmm. And I did not do well in philosophy class in college. It's like, you know, (laughs) hypothetically, what would religion mean if lying never existed? You know, know Jean-Jacques Rousseau... Crap. You know, you know what comedy is a much better comedy, and it's like almost. So this is th- this is the whole thing. It wants to be. I forget exactly how you described it. As far as like the Woody Allen films that are his least, you know, successful ones tend to be. I said self indulgent. Yeah, like, like self indulgent, like that. So it's you know it's going towards that, but then also kind of like failing in a way. But then a great comedy that I think gives you like a you know what if scenario, Idiocracy. Yeah, idiocracy. Like, you know, like this is like slightly Mike Judge humor as well. I think. See, and I think that would have been better, like a yeah. Mike Judge tone. Exactly. Rather than they should have went much more like silly with it. Yeah, but it's Ricky Gervais. I'm not. Ag- so I'm not against British humor. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not against uh, like preachiness. Yeah. Whatever. If he want people want to preach their ideas. Oh yeah, of film, course. Idiocracy is saying so much. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's not like just like oh I agree or disagree. Like that's not it. It's just like. Again, I would have preferred more of that funny tone. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. when the quote-unquote serious moments happened, I mean, how, 
I really didn't care that much. I wasn't very invested. It was Who just like, doesn't want Terry Crews as their president? <laughs> okay. Yeah, an idiocracy. Um, so this film is just... It's... it's I don't... Because I, I hate when I get like this because it sounds like I hate it. I don't hate this You're film. You're frustrated by it. Because cause I, I... It's almost not to the, the same extent falls into last week with Pirate Radio and like the potential that's there, right? True. If I'm wrong. True, yes. Pirate Radio, though, I could at least listen to good music exactly. while watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The score on this was terrible, I thought. Yeah. It was so, like, corny. If I, This, know. like, falls into the, you know, I know we said it for a long, came Polly, but the overuse of, like, with my love, I'm gonna die, <laughs> the, it was in this movie? No. Oh. I'm just saying, like, it has music that just feels... Yeah, weird. just the soundtrack and the score, though. The yeah. score was, like, like, you know, like, it was too... Married like, with children. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Uh, I I don't even know where to really begin with this film. It, it's funny bits at the beginning, you know. The movie supposedly originally was supposed to start with a uh, flashback of caveman days, and that is why the uh, very and I'm not saying this because of the the recent stuff he's gotten into, but the very grotesque Louis C.K. looking has no his fa- does not have his famous goatee in this is because Ricky Gervais uh, pleaded to him to shave it because cavemen wouldn't have a goatee. So there you go, right there. That's how full of himself of like you know. This is kind of funny because we were talking about costumes before, and I'm just like, oh, I never want to shave my beard and that kind of stuff. It's just like in your movie, The Caveman, the little flashback to Caveman Times explaining that even back then there was no lying. Our caveman couldn't have a goatee. <laughs> I don't know. But then that's kind of funny. He made him sh- uh, shave it, and then they didn't end up using it. It's just like I was a special feature on the DVD, supposedly. It's, it's a movie where, again, you're trying too much. He's yeah. trying to be too big and too smart. Narrow it down. I don't want to say dumb it down because it still could be smart, but I don't know, like a better pace. And yeah, and I actually kind of made like a, a cheap joke before, just saying like about British humor. But that's not even true because I think they could have had like more of a wacky, silly, fun uh, time on this, like a uh, uh, Monty Python. Type, you know. Oh yeah, that would have been fun too. Like think of the life of Brian, obviously talking about you know Jesus times and stuff like that. You know, he gets it gets pretty. This is almost like Evan Almighty that all of a sudden you know he beca- uh, like for no point really does like the ten com- again maybe the, you you said the scene drags on or whatever and what, didn't find that funny but like the visual the, the the Pizza Hut boxes like that's that's kind that's funny to me but then. But that at least was like, and then seeing it in the stained glass later in the church or whatever, but him all of a sudden like cut to several months later and he has a beard and long hair and rolls out of bed in like his sheet so it looks like he has robe and his sandals on. Like there was no gain to that. Yeah. Uh, so the, there's no j- payoff. Just to clarify, like a lot of this stuff, it's like unoriginal ideas in terms of like the religion stuff, like yeah. the, the the Ten Commandment thing. Like I've seen that in other things, not necessarily with pizza boxes. Yeah. They're just like mocking the the best of all time in history of the world, oh, yeah. Part One, <laughs> the Fifteen Crack, yeah. the Ten Commandments. <laughs> See, it's just I mean, of course, like that's yeah. Silly yeah. oh yeah, Mel, give me Mel Brooks versus you know obviously Ricky Gervais any day of the week, but yeah, a hundred percent. But the problem is, I think like for something like that. Is while it's a funny visual, 
I feel like that part was a little forced, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I have to write it down. Let me write it down on pizza boxes. If In this world where religion does not exist, because theoretically no one's ever lied to each other and he's saying religion isn't real, um, where would he get even the visual for that? Obviously that's for us, but it's just like, it, to me it's just like unprompted. You know, he says something along the lines it's of... It's a like, throwaway line. Yeah, like that he wishes that he had something more substantial than this, like, whatever piece of paper he ca- he calls, you know, single... Like whatever piece of paper, but it, then they take it the step further to make these square Pizza Hut boxes into these like almost like perfect hexagon or like octagon type, you know, yeah, looking like the that of the shape of the you know Ten Commandment tablets. So it just would have been even funnier if he was like holding up two flapping Pizza Hut boxes. Yeah, honestly, that is a funnier image. To yeah. Me. Um, okay, so, like you said, we, it kind of begins with this date, though, right? Yeah. Well, first it's like the, the narration over the credits, which I thought was funny. Yeah, which is funny, but again, like, clearly he has something to say because he's like, oh, important names, oh, the people, like, oh, I'm so proud that I made this, and, like, making, like, oh, this is a rich studio that's making, you know, or just these little quips, and it just feels like, but is that the movie you're making? Like, it just should have started with, I don't know. If that rolled into the caveman scene, then ma- I think that part makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Though, just, I, I didn't know about this caveman scene until you told me. I feel like a lot of these movies kind of begin with the dawning of time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't think, I mean, History of the World is one of them, but I can't think of other movies off the top of my head, but there's definitely, Hall fans, if you know what I'm talking about, I've definitely seen this. Yeah, just like a flashback trope. showing. I mean, that's just a very, yeah. Like, even, like, a movie about dating. Like, men have been into women since caveman times. <laughs> like, you know. There wasn't a Woody Allen that was like that. There could have been. Yeah. Oh, one thing before I re- we really dive in. You always correct me about, like, what is this? Like, is this science fiction or... I always correct you? Yeah, because, like, what's Eternal Sunshine? Oh. Yeah, that's science fiction. Versus what? Fantasy or... Fantasy is when it's like a whole new like tech, like even Star Wars is fantasy because it's a whole like new created world that's not like science fiction is the world that we know and changing like whether it's one thing or like making it to the future. It is something. It's based so is this science fiction to you? Yeah, sure. Rather uh, yeah. than fantasy, <laughs> like technically, yeah. But obviously, it is more fantasy-driven in the sense that it's like, you know, yeah, that, oh, wouldn't it be great if, you know, the world would be... But is the world about... I guess he kind of realizes that the world is in a better place with him lying, so... Does he that's also there? unclear. Yeah, that's a little unclear. Yeah, that, that That's a little gets a murky. Little, yeah. Because um, he gets what he wants, but then, yeah. but yeah. So first, he's, like, set up on this date with Jennifer Garner. Yeah, with Anna. And she says, like, stuff... She's great. Okay, that's what I was going to say. I'm not always a Jennifer Garner fan and things. No. I thought she was maybe the best in this entire film. Yeah, she's like solid in like a, like in a few movies like Juno. Juno, she's and, uh, very one good. One of my favorite, Thirteen Going on Thirty. <laughs> I haven't me, seen that. Love one. me the Ruffalo in that. I, oh, I have seen that. And one, Andy of course, Sir- and of Andy course. Circus. Yeah. Our next, our Andy Circus podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of a good circus. Let him no cap. A good circus pun. Ooh yeah, join us. Like the big top. <laughs> Big Top Circus. I don't know. <laughs> three Ring Circus. If we had a third person on every time. Yeah. Three Ring Circus. That's too Michael Manzi for us. Oh, true. true. Um, so, yeah, Jennifer Garner, 
I think on point. Her, when she's, she has a voice that it's going to sound really offensive, but I don't mean this in an offensive way. She, like, she has a very innocent voice, if that makes sense. Like innocent and in a way like <laughs> a voice that like. I mean, it's an attractive voice and a voice coming from an attractive woman and stuff like that when she says certain things, it hits you that much, like, I think, harder hearing, like, you know... Yes, but I I guess what I mean more, though, is, like, okay, I think she's great in Juno and she's great in the end and stuff, but what's also good is, like, when she's, like, choosing between paint samples... Like, that's, like, believable to me. Yeah. She plays a doctor in some movie. I can't remember. And I think... I, remember, I just picture her in a lab coat. I don't know why. It's not, uh-huh. that, it's not that she doesn't sound intelligent. Uh-huh. But in this movie, she she plays that, like... These people are almost brain dead to me. Well, that's the whole thing. They are... I mean, the, I mean, the world is a very... With the fact of not lying and being very... Like, almost like it's on a form of, like... Again, I said, like a like, a social... Like, I don't know. It's almost on the spectrum. Right? Yeah, it is. Like, the level of, like, sharing that they do, but they're incredible. It's, like, it's almost like like autism or, yeah. or, like, Asperger's. And I don't know those disorders well enough. Uh-huh. But it, it feels like something like that, right? Yeah. And on top of that, then, like, their thoughts, since they're all very shallow people, are incredibly rude. Like, it's very... It's like, in this world, it's clear that it's like beautiful people become much more successful. And that's not true in this world? The world that we live in? If you've got... I mean, no, I think it's just like... No. That's definitely like... A- What's funny is, it's it's this movie almost says that lying is the great equalizer. Yeah, like, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> which is funny. But back to Jennifer Garner. Um, obviously, she's a very attractive person, but like yeah. that's not... She actually, I think, she famously said, and if it's not her, please correct me, and I apologize, that she doesn't get certain parts because she believes she's too attractive. Oh, um, I don't. Which she also... Well, sounds more like a Jennifer Lawrence thing. <laughs> I don't know. Jennifer's... But, uh, she also does not like Kevin Smith. She doesn't like... what? That, she, yeah, that's why Ben Affleck and Kevin Smith don't hang out anymore. Oh, really? But then he and Ben she, and Jenny are done, right? I don't know. At least I don't know if they're still. I don't remember. But while while they were together, they didn't really hang out. Uh, and it's because like apparently they didn't get along on the set of what's that movie? Catch and Release. Jersey Girl. No, it's Catch that's and a, Release. That's a Kevin Smith movie. Kevin Smith's in that movie. Oh. With like Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, you've tagged that to me before, <laughs> saying I'm like Kevin Smith in that movie. It's more because our mutual friend Mike is like. Timothy Oliphant in that movie. Yeah, but regardless, but but I I actually like Jennifer Garner and the movie she's a doctor and I have to figure it out. I was like I saw it recently too. Um. Oh, Electra, right? Yeah, that's it. You got it right there. <laughs> no, we're gonna find this. Sorry, guys, bear with us. Nine Lives. No, no, it's more recent. More recent. Men, women, and children. I don't know what that is. Uh, that's the. It didn't do well, but that's the. Same. What's the director's name? The one that did uh, Juno. Oh, oh, so yeah. Sandler's in that. 
Oh, Dallas Buyers Club. Duh, okay, yeah, and it's on Netflix, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. And I thought she was good in that. Like, Yeah, she's really good. So I don't like I don't want this to come off as saying like I think she sounds unintelligent, but she purposely sounds unintelligent here. Or shallow is a better you know, like you were saying shallow. Yeah. And uh I love her the most in Ghost of Girlfriends Past. And it's a big a big Rom-com, fun for you. Matthew. Reconnaissance. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, she, uh, that's, I mean, between her and then Rob Lowe, who's just like, I mean, is a gorgeous man himself and mm. talk, talking, talking Parks and Rec. Uh, <laughs> well, they're both honest about their good looks in this film. Yeah, and it's always, also, that's the very interesting thing. It seems like it's almost people in this world when they get married like it also is like very much to the reason of procreation because it's very much they constantly discuss gene you know genealogy and even in the like their form of wedding it says like will you stay with you know that person till you you know for, for as long as you want yeah for as long as you want and then you know and then be there for your children and like that kind of <laughs> yeah uh I don't know. <laughs> and Ricky Gervais is, I mean, you know, portly and... What do they say with this? Well, like a pig, not pig nose, like a... She uh, keeps saying, like... Snub nose. Yeah, snub nose. <laughs> Fat with a snub nose. Or chubby with a snub nose. I could say something right now that would get so many people in the world upset, but I won't. <laughs> I don't, I do not want to know. <laughs> I do not want to know. I'll just I'll I'll, I'll just say he, he has a corned beef face. What? <laughs> what does that even mean? So you don't think Ricky Gervais is attractive? No. Apparently Ricky Gervais doesn't think Ricky Gervais is attractive. That's good. He knows, like you know. He's. I guess he's honest with himself. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> it's it's so silly. But again, like I said, I don't hate this movie. What did you like about this movie? I guess were there, were there particular scenes you like before we get into the Hoffman scene? Um. So I mean I like these little moments in the beginning. I mean I I, I like this. This is a uh, an idea, a premise for a movie that could that can lead to funny scenarios. That this back and forth, this awkward, you know, already just like dating is clearly just the ultimate chasm of awkward opportunities to like you know arise, especially like a blind date that they you know that they're going on. And that, on top of that, again, I mean, she, she's just like, oh, you showed up early. I don't really like that. Also, I was masturbating. Like, yeah. so that's, like, the candidness and also, again, on, like, the spectrum kind of honesty that they're doing in this film. But sure, but then that, I mean, that creates just, like, ridiculous. I love his little moment of when she goes back upstairs and then all of a sudden he's, like, kind of doing his little bird head movements like did you stop masturbating again like it's just you know it's it's fun that, that, that awkwardness is is great and then they go on this date and he's just it's the oh, I love the date I thought the yeah, date was a like hilarious scene Martin Starr is just like a fun and he's not like his usual Martin Starr voice no yeah exactly if anything Silicon Valley has very much made like Martin Starr a one trick pony which is I'm, I love that trick but he's still this is still funny yeah but I, you know, and again, it just raises. That's what they made a cl- clear, conscious choice of like, oh, we need to be also very verbal of like our insecurities in this movie, which I and, thought was and, great. And that's yeah, exactly. And that's what yeah, and the, and they make it that it's to seem like 
well, I guess even right once we meet, like, Rob Lowe, he says, like, for some reason, like, I'm threatened by you, and I don't know why, and I don't <laughs> like that. You know, it's very, uh, again, it's very open, so even if, I guess, if you are good-looking, you do have insecurities. But well, then, We all do, you know. Yeah, you know, exactly. So it is, like, that's, like, a fun thing that, you know, they're doing with this film. So just to, you know, for a long one, answer your question, I mean, before our scene... Um, uh, I don't even remember my question. Before we, I mean, you just said were there any particular scenes I liked before? Oh yeah, yeah. Seen? So I mean, I like I like the code commercial with Jimmy Simpson. Um, I mean, just Jonah Hill, his like suicidal character in the elevator. I mean, then we get a scene with. Uh, I mean, we we meet. Also, Mark wears a lot of brown in this movie, so even he is very like drab and like monotone. Uh, but the, we meet Tina Fey at the, you know, his, his, his secretary. His secretary who hates working for him. Yeah. And uh, and then we get Anthony, played by Jeffrey Tambor, the very, like, kind of timid boss that's afraid of firing him. Yes. And then... Uh, Again, we, we acknowledge Jeffrey Tambor as a... Yes, Louis C.K. and Jeffrey Tambor. Both in this film, both kind of creepy lately. But it definitely doesn't help Louis C.K. given the oh, scene that God. we're going to play. Yes. And like, I, oh, what? we need to apologize for that before we play it. Yeah. So let's remember to do that. But, uh, uh, and then we get like Shelly and Brad Kessler. So Brad Kessler is, Shelly is Tina Fey, Brad Kessler is Rob Lowe, and they just have, talk about, I wrote this down because, so this is a movie that, as we just said, have two recent controversial people in it, but this is where then like you know this is clearly a movie that has like something to say but what in the world of comedy then becomes offensive and I was like oh this is 2009 it's not like that I mean you know it's so it's nine years ago but uh she Tina Fey said her character Shelly says like oh you know fatty fat faggot and then Rob Lowe goes oh I was just thinking dumpy little queer like that, you know, like what? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like in 09, that was still a little bit like, you don't say that, nor should you now. No, I know. That's no, I know I'm you were saying. quoting. So yeah, like that's no, but then that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just, to me, for a movie that clearly has, like, I mean, you are supposed to feel awkward when hearing that, but, it, it, like, it just, I, I think just, especially, again, that Louis C.K. is in this movie, and he's a comedian that's done some disgusting well not just I mean, it hasn't been recent but through his career we find out that he's been doing some disgusting things uh like what is the line of you know that's appropriate in a movie and like, clearly not appropriate in real life that's why again it's like uh and i say that not to like go into a big no no know, because like, what you could be preachy all you want but it's weird when it's only your rules that you're following yeah. you know he like it's we're living here in the ricky, ricky gervais world um, another scene uh, that I guess could be preachy, and I don't necessarily don't disagree with it, I, I, but it is controversial, I would say, is the police scene when they're pulled over. Oh, yeah. And he says, like... Played by Ed Norton. Yeah, Ed Norton. Do we mention him as a cameo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Ed Norton pulls uh, the two of them over, Gervais' character and Louis C.K., who's drunk and driving. But, uh, and he's like, what is it? Something along the lines of, like, oh, I'm very relieved to find out that you're not two black guys. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, because then I would be much more, like, on edge and possibly shoot the both of you in a, you know, hostile. 
so commentary commentary on police shootings for sure which is again this is 09 so this is just I, I guess it's sad and that it's still poignant and topical but yeah no it's still topical for sure it's definitely like a controversial scene wherever you I mean I mean I don't think anyone agrees with yeah. like police violence but you know obviously it's it's a hot button issue yeah he says he's really yeah relieved that they're not black and then also he admits that he has a cocaine habit and then the adrenaline causes arousal (laughs) like this we'll we'll put it this way like you know the the blue lives matter crew probably is not going to like that scene no (laughs) definitely not Um, but it, look, it's topical and it's making comments, and I, I don't mind edgy. Com- like that, that scene doesn't bother me because I don't mind edgy commentary. And like I said, I don't mind the preachiness. Yeah, and that's still funny. That scene, it's not like weird tone wise. It's still like in a kind of goofy, goofy way. Yeah, because this is still like he's kind of testing the limits of, you know, wh- what he can do with his new powers we should know. there's not the word for it. he keeps going like you know like uh, like what, what do I call this you know yeah the lying hasn't been invented so there's no word for it what's what's funny or I guess interesting is it just happens right he doesn't get bit by a radioactive spider he doesn't get struck by lightning they do a little zoom into the brain the brain like, but just yeah. something that comes just up just all of a sudden clicks finally he, yeah he doesn't like it clicks it's yeah. not like he falls into radioactive waste yeah and suddenly he can lie and what what what's the moment exactly that he can lie he's in the bank and yes. he owes he got fired from his job he only has $300 in his bank account and he needs 800 for the rent and so he goes there and then it and then uh, she says, you know, like, oh, our system teller, is down. Teller. Yeah, the teller says, our system is down. I-, I can just, like, write you, you know, like a check, you know, like, or I can, you know, give you give you money or whatever. Uh, how much do you need? And then all of a sudden... She says, how much is in your account? Yeah. He says... The whole brand thing happens. Yeah, exactly. He says eight hundred. The system's back on. She's like, "Oh, it only looks like you have three hundred. And he looks like he's gonna get in trouble. And then she's like, "Yeah, oh no, it must be our mistake. Here's the eight hundred dollars." Yeah, have a nice day. Cha-ching. I do like at the beginning he tries to use his powers for good. Yeah, he does. Well, that's the whole thing. Then all of a sudden, this movie does take a very religious turn. <laughs> yeah, that's fair because it's not like the whole time. For a while, was the it's case. just like helping people, and then it's Ricky Gervais kind of going like, "See, like religion does like muck up everything." <laughs> uh, but I guess now is appropriate though. Before we get into that, is to get into our Hoffman scene. Yeah, I mean that is the the next scene after the bank. He goes to his local watering hole, and that's why I could have sworn it was like a couple more times. But this is our only scene with. Uh, our main man, and again, he plays uh, Jim the bartender, and uh, let's just play it for you, and then we'll just talk about it for a minute or two after we play this clip. How do I explain this? I said something that wasn't. Huh? It, I said something that wasn't. I. What's the word for it? Um, there isn't a word for it. Of course there isn't. I invented it. Um. What's this? Jim! What? My name is Doug. Your name is Doug. Hi, Doug. That's so weird, I never knew your real name. Doug is good. It suits you. Come on. Go. What's my name? 
It's Doug. Doug? No, it's not. It's Mark. Your name is Mark. I'm Mark. Mark suits you even better. Mark O. Okay, you're not, you're not getting it. Um, I, oh, Mark O. I'm black. I knew it. Oh, you're very light skinned, but I can see it. I always wanted a black friend. Me too. I'm an Eskimo. Fantastic. I've never seen a black Eskimo. I'm a pirate. I didn't know they still had those. Are you a dangerous pirate? I'm a lion tamer. And I'm wearing a wig. Aren't you scared you'll get bitten one day? That's a fantastic wig. I invented the bicycle. I love your work. Can I get a discount on a 10-speed? I'm a one-armed German space explorer. When's your launch date? Guten Tag. It's a very uh, lifelike prosthetic. Oh, it's incredible. Come on, let's up the stakes a little bit. Come on. If you could make the world the way you wanted it to be, what would you do? If you could change anything, if you could do anything, what's the first thing you'd do? If I could do anything? Anything at all. Anything at all. I would touch girls' boobs. Yes. And maybe have sex with them, too. Oh, agreed. That, too. Yeah, so um, some moments we laughed. Then a really creepy Louis C.K. line. Yeah, I mean, I'll be... In hindsight. I, I will be 110% honest. Like, that is a line that I laugh at before the very unfortunate... You know, you know all these women coming forward of these disgusting. That's not things unfortunate that, that they came forward. To be no. clear, no, no, no. I'm saying the unfortunate that he's yeah, yeah the, turns that out he to be got kind he, of a creep. Yeah, it turned out to be a creep that he's actually very, I guess, kind of similar to this role that he's just a uh, yeah lonely, so, horny. I don't know. Well, would not use power well. Yeah, exactly. We'll put it this way. <laughs> in this, power. they discuss like, what would you do if the pa- if you had the power to do anything? Yeah, he had, pa- Louis C.K. Yes. In he had power in the industry to not do anything like defy space and time, but do a lot more than other people could. And he, according to reports, and I guess he admitted it, like chose to. Yeah, um, that was just yeah. be inappropriate, sexually inappropriate. He's one of the few people that right away upon his accusation. Yeah, it wasn't a great apology, but he did. No, he was almost the same way. This film is a bit uh, <laughs> like so, like you know, conceited and like yes. tries to be <laughs> highbrow. But this is a PSI Love Hoffman podcast. We do yes. want to acknowledge that Louis C.K. is. A creep, but yeah, and the scene and the scene didn't help. The scene did not help. No, so it gives a little tinge of that. So we apologize. But as far as the Hoffman things go, um, it, like I said, it's aside from that, it's a funny scene. Everything out of Hoffman's mouth is funny. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, definitely, you know, the power of editing is used here and the you know, cutting it back and forth. But I'd like to think that if we just saw this play out in a master, you know, shot. That, the you know clearly clearly these guys all all three of them do have great you know comedic timing, so the fact that I, it just it just allows itself to be a very funny you know Ricky Gervais getting frustrated with these two guys that totally do not understand and again like I mean you heard in the beginning of the clip he's like oh there's not even a word for that like what do I call this and like how do you explain like, yeah, this is the crux of the film, really. This is like... Yeah. That he can easily say to somebody, 
that have known him for a long time that his name is not Mark that it's Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Even like I'm not gonna, I don't take offense to the whole or like I don't think it's offensive when he's like he says I'm black, you know. No. <laughs> or like he's an Eskimo, he's a pirate. Yeah, yeah exactly. What are, what are Hoffman's responses? Oh, I, I just, you I, well, yeah, just like right. It's just like uh, I mean, <laughs> it's very one word in the beginning because he says, "Hey Jim, won't you come over here?" What? And then like you know, just from "Hi Doug," and then he's just like "Doug," you know, very, like, <laughs> Oh, hi Mark. Marco. Oh, hi Mark. Marco. Sorry, Marco. <laughs> and then, uh, and then he's just like, "I'm black," and then. Uh, he goes, you're very uh, light-skinned, uh, you're, oh, you're very light-skinned, but I can see it. <laughs> and then, you know, Lucy Case is like, I always want a black friend. He's like, oh, and me too. <laughs> and then just like, uh, and then he's, what, he goes on to say that he's a pirate. He's like, like a dangerous pirate? I mean, I'm just repeating lines. We're literally just... <laughs> no, typical. I, know, I, know, I know. But I just, I love the way that just even like his little, like this seemed like a fun little, like I think like, little like joke that he gave was just like oh can I get a decent uh, or discount on a 10 speed you know <laughs> bike or whatever after he says he and then just says guten tag yeah I I would prefer and we haven't done this in a while but I would have preferred he was the Louis C.K. in this yeah I would have prefer, I would have preferred and I think he would have Almost I don't. Like, I, th- I think he would have. Yeah, he definitely would have eleva- elevated the movie. Louis like, C.K. Well, isn't great in this role. He's just like kind of. No, I'm, bland. I am very curious. I mean, Louis C.K. is a talented comedian. He had, I mean, success. I don't know when did when did his when did Louis start? I guess it was right around this time. I think. Probably. He wrote and directed. You know, like Pootie Tang. He's. Uh, Which I didn't know. No. It's, it's interesting. Uh, I think right after this movie is when his show uh, Louis starts. You know, I mean, done some very bad things, but he's a talented guy. has has a you know I I enjoyed him like on his show and stuff like that. But by all means, Philip Seymour Hoffman would have just elevated this movie in the sense of I mean you have. I mean, you have Ed Norton cameoing as a cop. Like, I guess, I, I guess the biggest thing is probably comes down to commitment. Yeah, so. I doubt you would have been able to get Philip Seymour Hoffman as the friend. Yeah. I just wish for our sake that he was more the friend character than. Yeah, because he could play a. Fu- I mean, the, like Louis C.K.'s character is just like a sloppy drunk, and just like disheveled all the time, and that would have been fun for. Harvey. Yeah, he could down, he would kick ass at that yeah. role. He really would. He'd be a lot more memorable than Louis C.K. in this role. Definitely, yeah. But, I mean, that's his one scene, 24 minutes in or so, 20-something minutes in, or... Uh, then Very f- early on in the film before and we, we don't get, get him any Before we more. get religious and preachy, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And this is, this is honestly, to me, when still the film was good. Yeah. Again, no, not it, that it gets terrible, it just... I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, the big moment in this film where it's, it has that turn is that, so, I mean, his mother, like, it's just even in this world, it's just like, people are just like, oh, your mom's gonna, you know, like, die at any moment. He's like, you tell me that every time I visit, like, her at the home. And then in the hospital, even Jason Bateman is the doctor, <laughs> is like that. Did we mention he, him in the cameos? Yeah. Okay. So many. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, but then he decides because his mom is just 
so scared, just so afraid and crying and upset and just saying, like, there's the void, I want to go into the black void, you know, there's nothingness, and he decides to tell her about, I mean, they never say heaven, but just, but it's just always like, it is almost childlike to, like that's the whole thing this film does have moments it reminds me of almost like a high school promise elections like everyone's gonna get you know mansions and there's gonna be free ice cream for everybody <laughs> but there's like a sympathetic moment between him and his mom he says you know you love dancing like you'll be able to dance again and you'll see dad up there uh, but then after that like I, I just thought that was gonna open up doors to his relationship with Jennifer Garner but then it totally goes into this world where I guess the nurses and doctor then start telling everybody and like by the next day or the day after that there's a whole bunch of film crews outside of Mark's apartment. Yeah. Uh, just back to the scene with his mother dying like she's dying obviously and it's supposed to be very sad but I had a hard time feeling sadness again just kind of from the tone um, He, that's also to me like a little forced like she's like well, I'm afraid of, you know, like, the black, or, or not. Afraid of the black? <laughs> no, like, you know, no, the I abyss, know, yeah, the, the nothingness. The void, yeah, the nothingness, yeah. The void. Um, I don't know if somebody in that world would necessarily be afraid of that. I feel like if it, those minds would more be afraid of the pain of dying rather than the nothingness. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the nothingness, but still, like, or just saying, like, I'm upset I didn't do this. Yeah, or like, oh, I have so many regrets. Yeah. And if he was like, oh, don't... I know we're rewriting the film, and we want to do that, but if he's like, oh, no, don't worry. In this heaven thing, you could, you know, do what you always wanted to do. That's more believable to me than her just being like, I think there's going to be nothing. Yeah. Oh, no, there's all this candy and raindrops, and that to me is him hitting it too hard that like oh heaven is silly and stupid yeah this is where the atheist Ricky Gervais like yeah rather than what would be better for the story yeah his own propaganda yeah like for lack of a better word kind of you know propaganda um and we're not like you know beating a drum one way or another here it's just selfish in a sense I guess he's, you know, I would have preferred more solid story. But I guess my point is, I didn't really feel when the mother died. It just felt like yeah, well, a I plot mean, device. Well, it's a plot device, and Ricky Gervais just, to me, like, didn't pull the necessary dramatic chops for that to... Yeah, that's fair. He's a funny guy. I don't want anyone to think that I don't find Ricky Gervais to be talented and funny. He does offend a lot of people. But yeah. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised, but it's also not like a... I don't know. Like you said, it's, this part, it spins out of control. He becomes sort of a god. He becomes the god because he's... Had he already written the the screenplay, the fake screenplay? Um, I believe so. Yeah, he does. He had already gone back and you know went to Jeffrey Tambor's office and said... I've got again. So he's a screenwriter, and he he's not successful, and because he was given the like thirteen hundred, thirteen hundreds, and he's like, that's the time of the Black Plague. Like, what's you know, good about that? Um, and interesting, you know, interesting about that. But he's already gone, and he makes up this whole crazy screenplay or whatever. But um, and Anna's also still 
uh, kind of like turned him down and says, you know, that she doesn't want little fat kids with snub noses. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, this is when he becomes famous for talking to the man in the sky. And I said we were going to play the Ten Commandments thing, but yeah, we don't we don't have to play that. You can check it out if you want. We'll put well maybe we'll put that a clip and if you, you know or just watch the movie. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is a movie. I wouldn't say don't watch this movie. No, no, no. And again, it's not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad movie. No, I'm actually like a little like envious of this because it is such a simple plot that I think there's like endless possibilities, and I would love to... This this is in the realm, again, I love movies that just have like that one small change to it, and that's like what this world... That's what this world is. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, I mean... Jennifer Garner's character ends up set up on dates with Rob Lowe's character. Yeah, they would make beautiful babies. Oh my god! Like that part's yeah. not wrong. <laughs> no, that's not wrong at all. They meet like on the set of when they're uh, filming uh, Christopher Guest reading about the Black Plague, <laughs> and so they decide to go on dates because they're beautiful together. And I mean, it just ultimately comes down to that she is going to get married to him and little by little uh, Mark you know Ricky Gervais' character is just like chipping away and making her like understand what like the better things in life yeah are. that there, there's more to just the superficial things yeah. than people um, while he's also crafting this very yeah interesting you know religious thing but I, I did I really I liked the scene it was very like sweet in a way, the the little chubby kid. I even wrote it. That was oh, short short fat Brian. Yeah, short fat Brian. Something yeah. I've never be, been called, but I'm sure <laughs> now some people will call me short fat Brian. Uh, and it's just you know nice. The he's picked on by three kids, and they you know put the chocolate ice cream on his face and shirt and she yells at the other kids and she says, you know, he introduces himself as short fat Brian and she goes, well now you're you know, Brian with a nice smile because you know, he tries yeah, to she smile. sees like, okay he still is short and fat but, and normally in the movie she'd be like yes you are short fat Brian Yeah, but there's other things that are good about him yeah, yeah, in this world not only like, good looks like will get you far and you'll be successful if you're uh, not attractive. It's also like you should be like looked down upon. Yeah, it's just very. I mean, it's very. I mean, it's clearly coming from a place that was either. I mean, that Ricky Gervais just has a lot to say, or obviously, or places that. I mean, you know, that he unfortunately had to, uh, you know, f- face in his real life, perhaps before his fame. Or maybe he obviously still... I mean, that, that's also... That's the interest. If you think about it, that's then he's kind of creating, like, a movie, you know, a biopic of his life that he was just, you know, a nothing guy that isn't the most attractive, but then he comes up with this hit British show, and then it gets bought over, and obviously he gets executive producer credits on the hit long-lasting American show, and then, I mean, he's up to the point that he's touring around, and he's a stand-up comedian, and he's hosting the Oscars and winning Emmys, you know. Yeah, I mean, he... He, he lives in a better world, I would say, here than in the, the Invention of Lying. Though it seems like there's not a lot of... Well, there's crime, because his father is a burglar, but you yeah. don't really get away with crime. Yeah, it just world. yeah. It's weird that his father was a burglar. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> because it's like, you can't lie, but you can steal. Yeah, you just have to be very, you just have to make sure you're successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a very, very good idea. Uh, so, I guess, like, there's this whole church, like you mentioned, around him now. Yeah, what does it say on the outside? Because then, obviously, churches didn't exist before, but it says a quiet place to reflect about the man in the sky. Yeah, because God and this is the man yeah. in the sky. I did like when the mom said, like, uh, man in the sky forbid. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> no, 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 that's funny. And again, it's like the Ten Commandments scene, just to go back to it. It's not terrible. It's just, again, a little preachy, but it's, it's a philosophy lesson, you know? Yeah, and it's funny to show, like, the concerns of the people and the questions they have. Yeah, no, no that, that part's funny, but like, oh, did did you, did the man in the sky give my mom cancer? Yeah. But did the man in the sky also cure my mom's cancer? It's that whole prism, like, I, we're not going to get religious here, but, like, if there is a god, why is there so much evil in the world? Which Why do the eagles and the patriots go to All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's much crossover between, we've discussed this, whether our Hoff fans are football fans. Though Hoffman was a sports guy, so yeah, I'll allow it. But, yes, fair. Fair. Why does the man in the sky allow the eagles and the patriots to play in the Super Bowl? Who knows? But regardless, I mean, th- these are logical, philosophical questions. Um, so, I mean, it's fair. It's just, it's weird to me to have these, because I don't think this is necessarily edgy. It's weird. It is edgy, but it's weird to me that it's there's a, philosoph- a philosophy lesson in a movie where I'm, like, laughing hysterically, if that makes sense, like, at certain points. Yeah, and not just, like, a philosophy lesson, but like a, this is my personal. Yeah, these are my personal views, and I believe yeah. that they are right. Yeah, but again, and people, look, people are entitled to express themselves. And I guess like, it just comes. I mean, he's a very he's an opinionated guy that is obviously wrote and directed this and is a lead actor. So it's you know, but it's not okay. I guess it's not like quirky or artistic enough. For, for to really, really like sell these kind of things to me. Yeah, but it, you could tell he believes it so much that it's just obvious to him. So we should all subscribe to what he believes. But then, what's his ultimate? I mean, when the movie ends, he goes in and he gives the big speech at the church. Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. This, 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 is, <laughs> I, this is why I bring it up, and I get here. So there's this. You know, Jennifer Garner's going to marry Rob Lowe. Yeah. He gives a speech at the church, and she stays, and then she. She, she eventually they they're together whatever but like yeah, she said, says like she wants to have the you know fat snub nose kid <laughs> yes but I don't understand what from the speech or like what is he what's the point of this movie like it's being preachy but I'm still not a hundred percent on what that preachiness is is lying good or bad yeah I mean you tell me what did, how did you feel it I guess ultimately it shows then it's good because then the movie ends with showing like that they have a son and she's pregnant with another and the son like it he's no longer the only guy that can lie his son can lie to and Jennifer Garner makes a disgusting dinner and the son lies and says oh you know mom it's so delicious and so it's like showing that white lies are good you know like, <laughs> like some amount of lying is good yeah. i guess some so you don't hurt people's feelings and I, I guess that's the point too because it 
I don't know if he believes this, but it almost shows that like some religion is potentially good. Yeah, I, and some. I guess faith is good, but then like is not. Yeah. Well, in terms, I mean, it, it helped his mom. Yeah. You know, and that wasn't. I mean, that was like. I think it's showing faith, but not organized religion. I think that's his biggest problem in general. Maybe like I'm not even saying with this movie. I think that's his usual. Maybe I. I mean, I guess that's. I guess that's the premise. Maybe a rewatch will help me understand more. And you guys tell us what you think. If you. Yeah, we, we'd love to hear your opinion. Maybe we're missing the mark here. I'm not again. Neither of us are saying this is like an god awful movie or anything like no. that. Um, I, I know a man, you, a man you in liked the, it. A man in the sky, in the clouds, awful uh, movie. <laughs> um, again, so I mean, would you recommend people watching it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're a, fi- you know, it's a, this is not a movie that like, I mean, watch it. Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it, but it's not like a must see. If you're a fan of his, is much more. If you if you're in the comedic stylings of Ricky Gervais, check it out. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm sure if you're a fan of his stand-up, yeah, that you probably would enjoy this film. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. I mean, if check, you like cameos, this is a cameos, film of cameos. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, check check it out. I mean, again, Jennifer Garner's really good in it. I mean, Rob Lowe's. Oh, I mean, is it, it yeah. fair to say that for the most part, all the acting is good? Yeah, I even, I mean, Ed Norton was funny, and, you know, like, this is before he started doing uh, his quirky uh, Wes Anderson character, so... <laughs> true, true. Um, I, I'll even say, like, it's... I mean, good acting obviously comes from good actors, but it also comes from good directing, so I don't think Ricky Gervais did a poor job directing or anything like that. No. I th- Or maybe, like, he did a really good job with casting. True, true. I don't know. Uh, to me, maybe it's, like story is a little weird so mm. yeah it's just it, it comes down to it uh, it feels just like a bit like a bit uh, missed opportunity yeah given. that's the best way you could put it missed opportunity I feel like this could have been more memorable because it's a fun premise to yeah think it's a fun like premise and world the, the way line. that he was able to be like come on some Hollywood elite like make some cameos yeah I mean movie. I'm not too much of a fan <laughs> of that but but yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people like cameos when you see, like, a Wes Anderson poster. Like, oh, cool. This random actor in it for two seconds. Yeah, his new movie, Isle of Dogs, has, like, the biggest, like... Yeah. It's, it's like m- that in Infinity War. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly names, the poster. Yeah. Like, the poster's mostly names, It's it, rather than... But whatever, I mean... we're This is not a Wes Anderson podcast, so we don't have to get into that. But... This is a, a Phil Seymour Hoffman podcast. Any other thoughts on Hoffman maybe in the film? I mean, not really, what more can we say? Love this beard. Love that he... Very cool beard. Yeah. Very cool beard. you see it on our Facebook. Uh, made a good bartender. Jim the bartender. Jim the bartender. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't seen all the films we have left. I've seen most of them, but not all of them. I'd have to check which ones I haven't seen. Does he have a role this little again? Maybe in Hunger Games, like as CGI yeah, I forget, I forget how much in the Hunger Games. We'll have to rewatch part those two or, or watch of the last one. Yeah. Um. Other than that, you know, I think hopefully from now on we get substantial Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, roles. I mean, look, he's not huge in Moneyball, but at least he has like a couple scenes and like yeah, no, he's got some great toe-to-toe scenes with Brad Pitt. Yeah, so like, which cool, you know? Yeah. So definitely looking forward to doing more of that than this. Yeah. But regardless, you know, if, if again, if you like screwball comedies, if you will, or even sci-fi comedies, check this one out. Yeah. If not, 
if you have to skip this one, that's okay. Especially for the for uh, Hoff fans out there, you can definitely skip this one if you're a Hoff fan. Yeah, but I've done this before in a in a joking way. That's like, oh, this film has something in common week with uh, next week's film, but this actually kind of does because this is a movie that was. Uh, Directed and then the you know lead actor is the same. And next week we have the only uh, feature that Philip Seymour Hoffman directed, and that's Jack Goes Boating. Jack Goes Boating, yeah, based, yep. based on movie. a based on a play. Based on a play that he also you know was in for the Labyrinth Company with his buddy John Ortiz, and uh, who's in the film as well. So that's going to be you know what film he's also in, Silver Linings Playbook. Yes. Right, that's the same guy, and that movie is about the. We're Eagles. not talking any. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry. Kyle's very passionate, passionate New York Giants fan. He actually looks like a football coach today in his Giants. I am wearing a Giants hoodie, and I've got the headset on. So yeah, I feel like he can might make, slick back Benny Mac. He but. might have he might have made better play calls this year than their actual Giant coaching staff. Might have, yeah. <laughs> Regardless, again, one of the Eli, but. Uh, Fuck the Eagles and the Patriots. No, no. We love you, Eagle fans. We love you, Patriot fans. If you're Hoff fans... Love Hoff fans. So. We, lo- we love Hoff fans. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to this episode. Next week, as you mentioned, we have Jacko's Boating. You can find all the great, great uh, other podcasts on the Cage Club Network at cageclub.me, cageclub.me, as well as our other episodes. Um, you'll find episodes where Phillips and Hoffman's featured more. Much more. Much more. Um, but thanks for listening anyway, and thanks uh, thanks for stopping by, I suppose. And as always... Stay on cool. Sexy things, sexy things. I believe in miracles.